0: two chunks in a hunk my name is jordan wonders and this week i am your chunk i'm doge and men my age dictate this war why should we be allowed to send our children to hunk it and i'm carter and
1: he's shellshock george he's not him chunk <laughs> he might never be him chunk again <laughs> him chunk him chunk <laughs> That's what I said about uh, Carter earlier today. Somebody was like, who's Carter? And I was like, oh, him. Him chunk. Him, him chunk. <laughs> yeah. Him chunk today. Him chunk today. Sometime Jordan, him
0: hunk. Jordan, him chunk.
1: Yeah, but Doge him
0: hunk. Hmm. Tell, him, tell us. Him be. Uh, I'm the hunk. Him him hunk. I hunk. Yo soy hunk. Uh, because Carter is bringing his nana over uh, for me yeah. and Jess to take care of while they're out of town. I appreciate that. Uh It's going to be really nice. We're, you know, we're getting the house ready. We're going to buy some special treats for Carter's Nana. We're probably, and I think honestly, when she gets here, we're probably just going to let her kind of walk around the house. So she's not anxious and then really just lay on the floor and pet her while she chills out. She's got this beautiful, long black hair. Carter's Nana is very sweet. She's going to give us lots of kisses.
1: We had just talked about before, um, you know, I'm glad that you and Jess are going to be home all weekend so that I don't have to bring her cage Yes, Um, yeah. So that you don't have to just put her away in the cage while y'all leave. But something else I was going to tell you, though, if she is cageless, my Nana might
0: want to sleep with you. Mm. Would that be... Is that okay with y'all? We'll probably close our door as long... I mean, does she, like, scratch at the door and, like, like demand entry? She might... She might
1: scratch at the door. She attaches to people pretty quickly. If you mm-hmm. were to even just make a I could bring some of her blankets and you could just make a little okay. bed at the foot of your bed if that's okay. okay. Yeah. And she would she would sleep in there with you. Well, okay. one thing I know for sure about Carter's Nana is um her, she has a particular aversion to backpacks. And so That's true if she you is could spooked just by backpacks. Please not wear any backpacks around Carter's Nana. She's Gosh, super That's going to be tough cuz
0: you know I'm always strapped I'm always wearing my backpack in my home and running through the hallways of my house. Um, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. Why do you wear it on the front? It hides my quarantine pooch. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, Uh, I mean, I think this is the point, you know, listeners, let's let's let you behind the iron curtain. We've all got a little bit of a quarantine pooch because the only thing to do during quarantine is snack.
1: Speaking of wearing the bag in front, have I told y'all what my dad calls fanny packs? No, tell me, tell me, tell me. I need to know. It, it's tough to tell my dad because he's got the kind of sense of humor to where like he won't laugh about it. So you're like, are you being serious I because it. you think this is cooler? But he calls them belly bags. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> that's tasty. That's so good. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I got some in my belly bag. We're like, okay, well, yes. so belly bag made me think of the pack, the backpack in front. I think I like, I think I like pelvis pouch. Oh, I don't think I like that at all. I think pelvis pouch is fun. Nope. Nope. I think that I think that gives off sort of a. You could call
0: it a waste basket. Ooh, that's good. Is this the part where I come up with one? Is it like the comedy rule of three? Is I need to think of a name for it? Yeah, we got a dog uh-huh. pile. Okay. <laughs> uh, the kangar- kangaroo of fire. That's great because that's hey. what like how kangaroos <laughs> have a, a real life biological belly bag. They do have a real belly bag that they, they keep
1: their kids in. Pelvis pouch. Yeah. Much like my dad did raising me.
0: <laughs> Carter You're the, the seahorse. All we're of well our aware of this.
1: All of our dads <laughs> raised us in that belly bag.
0: You know, when I woke up this morning and it was like, we're going to record a podcast about a movie, this is exactly what I thought we would talk about. That it's is crazy. How this is exactly what I expected.
1: If you didn't expect at least something along this <laughs> avenue, you're coming in with the wrong expectations. Hey, there is a movie though that we'd like to talk about and discuss. Uh, it is the final movie of our Nolan series. I can't believe it. This has gone by too fast. That's crazy. Yeah, and, that is uh, wild. The movie is known as Dunkirk. Dunkirk. <laughs> I wanted to give like separate, like separate time frames yeah, three, of it. Three like separate. Yours took one second. Mine will take one minute. Mine ending. will take an
0: hour. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Shepard tone. Just raise that up the whole time. would be great. <laughs> and that'll be in the background of the whole episode. Just yep. increasing intensity.
1: Ooh. So Doge has not seen this movie. Still. Well, now,
0: I mean. <laughs> well, now, yes. Now, has. Yes. I didn't watch the- it, but I did get a five on my AP US history test. So I think I know what I'm talking about. You Let really me- did, didn't you? You just flexed on that. I really very, did. Yeah. I very really did. very well done. Not surprised.
1: Uh, did I ever tell you this doesn't have anything to do with our podcast, but I took IB history in English in high school and then found out that our um college that we all attended together didn't accept IB credits and it was pointless. Did I ever tell you guys that?
0: So you had so would you say that you have I B sadness? That would be IBS? Yeah nice. Roasted you.
1: Got Roasted did, did you know that would that would end up happening, but like one or two years later that they would start accepting those credits? Did they really? Yeah that's cool. I love that. I think that's really great. I'm so glad that that happened. Hey, let's here's what I'd like to happen. Boy, right. We now. got a,
0: a real lack of focus so far. Huh?
1: <laughs> Doge, would you give us a synopsis
0: for this movie, please? I sure will. This week's synopsis is written by somebody who either hates Christopher Nolan or wishes <laughs> he was his brother Richard. Because this week's synopsis comes from an IMDb user called Dick Nolan. And Dick Nolan writes, This movie depicts the dramatic and true story of the Dunkirk evacuations from a war-torn beach and harbor in France, following the seemingly doomed plight of Allied soldiers in World War II. As the enemy forces close in, it seems the troops have nowhere to go. But help is at hand, and a fierce battle ensues. Not bad. Yeah, Said forces, the- which we know is a forces, part of every
1: is- good <clears throat>
0: synopsis. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate sort of that nod to two chunks. He's a big fan. It's the, I feel Richard. like the
0: word forces is the kosher salt of your synopsis pie, which like it's not a standout <laughs> star, but if you don't have it, you're going to miss it.
1: It's got to yep. be in there. Yeah. It's got to be in there. So like I was saying, Doge, this was the first time you have seen this movie.
0: Correct. Did
1: how much did you know? I mean, obviously you know, it's about like the evacuation of Dunkirk. Sure, how much did yeah. you know about like the structure of the way this story is told?
0: Uh, I knew that it was that it was basically what we've been talking about this whole series is Nolan cutting climaxes. And I know right. that I knew that for this movie, he was like, you know what? We're just going to do that the whole time and cross cut between like different lengths of time, basically. And if I didn't know that, I think I would have picked it up real quickly Pretty with our quick. three title cards right at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I love that. I thought that was absolutely brilliant.
1: I I'll, I'll go ahead and, and do this now because it it we're just going to there's no way to talk about this movie without talking about this pretty frequently I think but my my super pump is the structure of the movie actually. Hey me too. Okay, cool. I I think that this movie is obviously such an interesting story and um is full of some really cool moments but I think it all works so well because of the you know we we compress a week to fit with a stretched Minute to fit through functionally an hour of you know yeah. what I mean like it feels like the hour is the closest to real time that we're experiencing and everything yeah. else is you know um and so it's it's just very what what do we have like a a week a day an hour right yeah yeah um and it's just so so unique and so Nolan like so unbelievably such a Nolan way to present this story yeah um you have anything he to would add say to? that he. He would that this is his most experimental. Yes,
0: yes. I think I'd so it, really, that. it really felt that way. I think structurally, um, in my mind, the way that I differentiate is I would say that the, the cross cutting between the different time I guess we can call them timelines that feels a little sci fi tropey for a World War II movie, but the cross cutting between our different storylines to me feels like it lives a little more in editing that is conceptually. Uh, the concept I think is structural, but the execution all comes down to the editor and and clear direction on we need to change right here and build intensity in this way. I think it's right. a masterful editing job. For me, structurally, the thing that I love about it is that there are... I was thinking a lot about this actually after I finished it. And it seems like you guys may have more versions to add, but it seems like there's basically two ways to make a, a movie about a historical event. Uh, we can go the like the like titanic route basically where it's like we take this well-known event and then we create some characters and then they have a backstory and they have their own internal motivations and desires and then they live through this event
1: Yeah, yeah saving private ryan as well yeah
0: exactly i think i feel like most historical movies are some form of historical fiction like that um and and granted there are liberties taken like these are all made up characters but we don't see like there's not a lot of backstory to any of these guys. This feels like a really high production version. This is what every museum movie thinks it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, where it is just the, our our story is the story of the event. And we have characters that are acting in it, but the main story is the event, not how are Jack and Rose going to stay in love because we know the Titanic's going to sink, but right. how is the Titanic going to sink, right?
1: Right. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah,
0: yeah. I hear and I you. think structurally, I think this movie... Uh, The reason we don't see a lot of movies that are how is the Titanic going to sink versus how are our characters going to survive the sinking of the Titanic is because that is inherently a way weaker conflict lock. Uh, And we have way less character motivations and it's way more difficult to make a compelling story out of that. But the cross cutting and the continual escalation of tension in this and the fact that we're compressing time and stretching time to make sure everything climaxes around the same time, I think is the secret that makes this movie work and means we don't have to have a Jack and Rose. Right. Like, And we don't have to watch our soldier be like, is he going to make it back to his wife or family? Like even the 1917 thing, is he going to make it back to his his family, right?
1: Right. Well, I mean, I think of even some of the older, because it does feel like, TCM and AMC when I was growing up. Exactly. 65 to 70% of those movies are war-based films. And all of my favorites were the ones following the stories. And sometimes even as far out as just being prisoners of a camp, like uh, The Great Escape, Steve McQueen movie, movie. and things like that, you know, um, Where Eagles May Dare. You know, it's like all these secret things we didn't know much about that you get to have some room to put some fiction in there for the sake of a movie. Jordan and I had just been talking about Uh, Because Jordan and I had listened to the beginning of that too. Shout out to Sheldon, um, one of our official chunkies who uh, had us listen to another podcast and, and Quentin Tarantino was on this podcast talking about Dunkirk. And basically at one point he says what Christopher Nolan has managed to do... Is, he is he's made a war movie, but he's made it a movie. And then he started to try and yeah. explain how a lot of other war movies just seem like you said, Doge. I think you put it well as like a museum film. Like those 25 minutes you have to dedicate if you've got enough time left, or that's how you kick off your trip, right? Right. Um, super historical. Almost a documentary. Almost. Like, yes. Not quite obviously, but close. Yeah. And then with a lot of like Bridge Over River Quiet, like all these old American right. war films, they are just – a little more over the top, right? It's mm-hmm. almost like this, um, just super heroic. It's closer yeah. to like operatic. predator or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then for him to just make a good movie um, out of a war, you know, wartime epic is is pretty crazy. And I think what it plays to too, I, it's just got to be so interesting between because uh, really we only get to have the uh, especially even with media the American experience of movies, yeah. right? Um, and especially if it's historical, it's really interesting because uh, I'm sure uh, maybe at least for this podcast and again, Doge, you did get a five on your AP history. I actually exam. think
0: it was a four. Okay. Thinking back on it. No, you are so really wonderfully honest. No, that's fine. Inflating that's fine. my intelligence.
1: Got a two on that honesty section of the yes, AP test. Yes, Exactly. That's
0: good. My college um, didn't take my honesty <laughs> credits. They didn't transfer in. You get, a, you get a five That's on fine. the
1: honesty section. You get a two on the uh, recollection. <laughs> That's it. Yes. Very good. Reinventing the AP test live. Um, but all that to say, I feel like a lot of American audiences, we, I, we just weren't familiar with this story. Totally. And the significance of Dunkirk. I was not, personally. Mm-hmm. Were y'all? Did no. y'all know of Dunkirk? Not really, No yeah so i think that's just just so cool and i love how he gets to be you know nolan is this is such a it's a completely british film um and i forget that he's a british man yeah. right <laughs> With some of the other it's, it, it's he's, his 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 uh casts are kind of mutts even though his recurring you know you have the michael canes and you have the tom hardy's and stuff and did y'all catch michael Caine in this one yeah no
0: he's the voice on the radio yeah. to the pilots he's,
1: Yep, he's the voice on the radio to the pilots. What? I didn't actually know that. I was going to make a joke that he was one of the boats. Um, <laughs> he's like, blah, 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 um, But yeah, good one, Doge. This is also our third, no, fourth Nolan movie, only second in
0: our series, but the fourth Nolan movie with Cillian Murphy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Fifth. He's in Dark Knight Rises, is he not? He's not in The Dark Knight. No, he's at the beginning of The Dark Knight. Is he? Yep.
1: Oh, I don't remember that. There you go. Well, there we are. Uh, also, to like reaffirm y'all's super pump. That was almost my super pump, but we'll get to that uh, obviously at some point. But uh, film editing, sound editing, sound mixing—all Oscars for for this film. There's yeah. not for eight, I think, and one, one, three. And you know what? I I and we talk about Nolan's editing a lot, or just at least his mind for it, because he himself is not the editor, right? But I'm right. sure he's a obviously a big part of that as the director and the writer for most of his films, but. I'm trying to think of who does it better, or who has it at least be such a pivotal part of the storytelling. Yes, you can. I bet you could see bad editing from a mile away, right? Sure, yeah. That's one of the first super noticeable things about a movie. You don't have to be some aficionado to be like, "Wait, why are we here?" You know. Um, But I, I guess, yeah. Well, I think editing is kind of like sound design where unfortunately when it's done really, really well, it feels so right and natural that you're not even noticing it because it's like, well, of course it goes there. Of course it sounds like that, you know? And so I think, right. I think there's an element of the better you are, the less noticeable you are. And so.
0: Well, I think it's that, but I also think that Nolan stylistically, especially in this movie, I think it's exactly right when it's his, it's called his most experimental, right? Because I think... The thing, if you think of it like a soundtrack, like everybody notices when a movie soundtrack does something weird and unexpected. Right. And like, like think back to, to Inception. Like everybody notices when we use that, that Edith Paif song, Edith Paif, I don't know how to say her name, but that French song, and then we slow it way down and that's a core component of our soundtrack. That is bananas. And so I think the editing in this movie feels similar to that, where it's like we are pushing against the confines of the form enough and pushing against what's expected from kind of run of the mill blockbuster editing and we're we're saying that's too small of a box i'm going to push on the walls of that and in so doing we're calling attention to the editing and that's a huge gamble because if you call attention to the editing and you make people notice the editing you've got to make sure you're knocking it out of the park and doing a great job with it and i think this movie absolutely does yeah but i think even even want to commend the risk that it takes to draw attention to the editing
1: yeah that's do a good you point. think
0: do you think his
1: decision to cast several unknowns and then uh, cover the face of perhaps his best known plays into maybe the vibe he wanted from the editing yes. for you oh, to yeah, be? 100%. I think if I could be like, and and Tom Hardy's is obvious, right? They do give us a maskless Tom Hardy so that, that we know that's him in that pilot, you know, in the cockpit for the rest of the movie. Yeah. And he's also in a plane. So it's like, okay, that's always Tom Hardy. But yeah, I think it would be harder to pick up and that's what it makes like the uh the payoff in the end when we have these oil-covered soldiers that we've just recently become to be able to recognize. Yeah. And be like, "Okay, that's how like that is just that is so smart to me. Like
0: that is I think it, yeah, and I think that's very intentional that that we kind of see this movie. There's some people that we like recognize and know, but largely it's a faceless mass of people and it it's I think that is back to my earlier point of we're not really following individual characters. We're following the moment, the movement right. in history. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's quick, almost this, like uh, this editor is Lee Smith uh, and his f- top four movies on IMDb are inception, the dark Knight, Dunkirk and 1917.
1: Fair enough. Phenomenal. Fair enough. I want to talk about, um, we, we mentioned kind of a joke about it earlier, but I want to talk about the shepherd tone in the soundtrack. It was, a, I remember it was a big deal when this movie came out for everybody to talk about yeah. sort of what they did and they use it's Hans. It's Hans again. Um, and Oh, hello everybody. It's me again. It's Hans I'm back. I'm back for another one. I've created all the music that you're hearing and even another, some of the music you're not one. hearing. <laughs> another one. That's <laughs> <laughs> Hans. Every Chris Nolan film. Yeah. Another one. DJ Hans. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Hans steps in and he uses something called a shepherd tone, which gives the illusion that the song is continually um, escalating the the note that we're hearing, like continually stepping up. The pitch um, is rising constantly, yeah. and what that does is. Um, Nolan talked about wanting to do the same thing with the story that the, the music does which is continually escalate and continually build more tension and continually build more um, <sighs> anxiety and I just gotta say this movie is it's about an hour and 48 minutes long and it is a, a an hour and 48 minute panic attack for me yeah, I could yeah, like, not have what taken it if it was any longer what is, what is your favorite drowning scene? <laughs> Do you have a favorite drowning scene in this movie? Uh, I actually do have a favorite drowning scene in this movie, <laughs> okay. and it's the uh, the locked door on the boat that gets hit by the torpedo. Oh Ooh, my French gosh. soldier has to go open it. It's so anxiety inducing. Oh my goodness! It's it, but that's what I'm saying, right? This whole movie. So we start with Tommy Fion Whitehead, and he's sort of our um, our soldier on the ground. He's sort of our muse for that section of the story. Right and Tommy, I mean, we see that like our I love uh, I don't love it. I mean, it's bad for the characters, but like our opening frame is him with like eight other people, right? Yeah. And he's he's all he's that's the only left one of that. And you know, one and of the first things we get out of Tommy is that this poor kid cannot take a dump to save his life.
0: And like, no, <laughs> okay, that's the question because we don't actually show the caboose. And sure. we don't actually show the sand behind him. So we sure. were left with two scenarios. He he pulled his pants down and went, "I got a I got a number 2. Oh, nope, I'm going to suck it back up inside me and help this guy who's pulling this boot off." Or he took the fastest number There's 2 no with no wipe. It's the first one, I think. Um, though I would though I want that fast. I love how, top, how Nolan no leaves way. it open to interpretation. That's one of the big sources of debate around this movie. Like
1: it's it's right up there with the totem
0: from I know Inception, was Cobb was Cobb dreaming Diddy Poop
1: <laughs> <laughs> Diddy? Diddy poop. Um but I, I, I know obviously we're joking about this, but like if that just don't sum up this poor kid's entire week. <laughs> <laughs> just this poor kid is like, ah, I really got to poop and I just can't. And then it just escalates. He's had a time, man. He really has. has had a time. He really has. I mean, even something as simple as, I say simple, even something as, um, yeah, I'm stick with simple as sprinting with a man on a stretcher. Yeah. Is so tense. Dude. I mean, his, the, that character is like Tim from Jurassic park. That kid, that poor kid that just gets, that it is relentless. And, um, you know, I think I, I'm hesitant to even pick which you know land land air uh sea. I'm hesitant to pick which location, which setting is the most interesting because there's so much happening everywhere. Yeah, they all do have great highlights too. They the, really. You know, there's do. a yeah. moment where yeah. I was like, I think it's the sea for me. Uh, but then I'm like, but then if that's my favorite, I have to say that like the things that happen, like Tom Hardy's ending to his story, is. You know, also one of the best things about this movie, and
0: I think we're naturally drawn to the sea because we get the closest <laughs> thing to some characterization there. Right,
1: right. With Mark Rylance, and exactly. Yeah, it's the mm-hmm. most dialogue of any place. Exactly. Yeah, Killian Murphy in two, uh, Like, yeah, even there, that and is true. George's yeah, there whole is story is just not is much very, talking. You know, sad. Yeah, in, yeah. So, in, sad. Intense. so sad. So um,
0: sad. And I think that one too is because we have character relationships and dynamics to play with. Right. Uh, we really don't have much of that on the air side. Uh, land, we have that, but land is pretty much like the conflict is primal. Like I must survive. And then there's a little bit more characterization, I think, in the other two.
1: Yeah, there's something though with when, when sea and air finally collide and we get Collins getting on Mr. Dawson's boat. Yeah. Um, and we hear him cheering on Farrier as he's shooting down that there's something like... I don't know i got a little emotional when he's like sitting on the boat and he's like come on farrier come on farrier mm-hmm. and then he yeah. takes it down and they're finally like okay we're we're safe for now i don't know man there's something about that um i think i think nolan slam dunks this at the end when yeah. one of the soldiers walks by collins and is, and says where were you man um oh. you know seeing that he's a pilot and getting yeah. off a oh, boat, yeah. and he's like where were you we could have used your help and then you know mark rylance gets to turn around and say hey these guys know where you were. I don't know. It's, it's, there's something. It's like in the same way that all of the conflict finally resolves and we get to breathe at the end, it's also that way for some of the interpersonal connections of the story, too. It's like at the end is when we get to see people being human with each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Finally, which is interesting. Yeah. It's yeah, great. Was there, was were all these effects practical? Most of them. A lot yeah. was is there them ever were. a. Cause I couldn't find one, you know, we talked a lot about it, uh, in, I think inception about how in, especially in a movie like inception, it's like, can you believe how many of these are practical effects? But I know specifically he did invest a lot in, in the air scenes to actually have those mostly be practical. Uh, and all the, all the stories about that stuff is so, so super interesting, but yeah, he used a lot um, of period
0: appropriate aircraft for this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of the
1: a lot of the shots of Tom Hardy are there's a pilot, um, I believe, in front of him or behind him actually flying. Yeah, edited out so that we can't see them. So he's actually up in the air over. You know, that's just nuts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely crazy. Did y'all see about how the the IMAX camera that Mm -hmm. when they shot the ship landing in the sea that he just uses an old tactic to keep that film wet. Yeah, and like ship it wet so that they can.
0: That's just wild to me. While we're talking about the the film, like these these colors on this movie are absolutely gorgeous. Oh, like yeah. Like the super, super saturated blues, the very deep blacks, uh, and even the, the slightly orange of the skin tones. Like something about this looks like color film that was developed in, uh, like if you'd get your color film developed, it's a similar palette as like the early 60s, late 50s. So it's like very yeah. nearly period appropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, but also it just looks so good. I can't think of another blockbuster that looks like this and how we incorporate that blue of the air and the sea in everything. The Warner brothers logo, the syncope logo, the font on the poster, like, there's just such a consistency of color design throughout this movie that we don't often see in blockbusters.
1: Man, yeah. the shot of Tom Hardy's farrier stepping out of his plane, shooting the um, the flare and watching it burn as the sun's coming down. Yeah. That might be one of my favorite shots from anything. Yeah. Just him standing on the beach with the sunset while you see German soldiers coming up over the hillside.
0: I believe this is our same DP from Inception. I don't remember. Let me it check. It wouldn't surprise me. Through the magic of editing, we've compressed time, and I'm here now from the future to tell you that it is not the same DP from Inception. It is the same DP from Interstellar, though. Okay, which makes sense. Okay. This does look a little bit, a little bit more designed than uh, that Inception does, and uh, this person is also the DP for Tenant. Oh, cool! So Do you want to let the listeners
1: to. know what DP means? Doctor Pepper. <laughs> yep, Okay, that's what I thought.
0: Yeah. The director of photography, cinematographer. Uh, this this fellow's name is Hoyt von Hoytema born, born in Horgen, Switzerland.
1: Born in Horgen,
0: Switzerland. Hey. Born in Horgen, Switzerland. <laughs> a Deutsch-Swedish <laughs> director of photography. That's almost becoming Australian or South African. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Known for his work on the Fighter, Her, Interstellar, in Dunkirk. <laughs> oh, her as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. Which is also a really pretty film. Yep. Well, he's doing it, isn't he? Hey, I got something for you. Harry Styles.
0: My yeah? my sweet watermelon sugar boy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he's awesome in this. I think yep. he can do everything. I also I felt, think he can do everything. He he was really good. And Chris Nolan definitely snu- stuck his neck out for Harry Styles. Sure. When, yeah. when people were asked about it, was like, why would you, you know, is this like a money grab? He's like, no, I, I mean, we had thousands of people try for these roles of these soldiers and he was just one of the best. I, and then he talks about like people didn't, you know, he gets to drop the mic on, you know, people didn't expect a lot, a lot out of Heath Ledger either. So <laughs> so how about you step off? I was right about that guy, huh? Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh, Jordan, man. I think you were talking about earlier how you can't help but like think of Harry Styles songs oh, in this totally. movie. But I think every time he was in something that was drowning, I was just thinking like, falling again, I'm falling again. I was just like, oh no. Oh. What am I now? I'm like, no, Harry. <laughs> you know, his, uh, hey, just a side plug if you haven't seen his Tiny Desk concert, you should go do that. It's, it's awesome. Good. Um, he was given some really important dialogue for a movie yeah. that didn't have a lot of dialogue at all. Totally. And he handles it really well, particularly the boat scene where we're getting shot through the walls of the boat, which, by the oh, way, that was terrible. Is the scariest Awful. thing in this movie. Oh, uh, but his, no, his I don't conference- think that's
0: the scariest thing.
1: You don't think so? No, the way. plane, the plane drowning.
0: Is that your scariest oh, that's plane? Scary. Plane drowning's awful. No, I think it's the I think it's the destroyer, the yeah. evacuation ship that gets torpedoed and then all the lights go out and you're swimming in the dark in a closed room. That's a
1: good point. Ooh. That's a good no, thank point. Thank you. Yeah, you. That hits like the that.
0: trifecta of submechanophobia, thalassophobia and afraid of the darkophobia that yeah. I've got going on.
1: That's a good point. I it's just something in this boat, this beached ship that's getting shot through and they're having this confrontation. Harry Styles gets to carry the conversation with the French soldier of this dude hasn't opened his mouth once. Like, what's his mm-hmm. deal? Is he German? Like, we gotta figure this out. Somebody's and he he kind of turns from a guy that we've been along for the ride with and kind of rooting for to antagonistic there for a little bit. Um, and it's it's an intense turn, and I think you're right. I think the fact that Nolan gives it to Harry Styles speaks to the confidence that he had in his ability because that's an important moment in the movie. We get hard decisions like this on lots of levels. We do. You also have the, we're not taking any French people at all. Like when we're up on the mole and we're trying to get just tons and tons of people and there's a guy who is, you talk about like customer service. Like there's a guy having to talk to, a big amount of French soldiers and be like, man, sorry, dude. You got your own You got to stay. Yeah. Like, you
0: get your own boat. Like,
1: man, that's just so tough. Well, I, my- I
0: actually really like that this movie, you know, we've talked how it's light on characterization, but I think the characterization it gives is important because we, I feel like, especially with, with World War II movies, for some reason, we have a tendency to, like, kind of whitewash every soldier and hero paint every soldier. You know what I mean? And, yes. and paint them with the flag of their country that they're fighting for and be like, these people... Represent the best of us, and they certainly did, and certainly made a huge sacrifice. But at the same time, like right. some of them were kind of turds. Like Harry Styles is kind of a turd in this movie. And right. some of the the decisions made are kind of crappy decisions.
2: Well,
0: um, and and that so feels the realistic. Point. Cillian yeah, Mur- Cillian
1: Murphy kills a kid. You yeah, know? yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. it's
0: like realistic and rounded, and they feel like real people rather than like and, aspirational figures. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think it was so important too. Like the decision that uh, Mark Rylance's son makes to not tell. Yeah. Murphy that he has killed this guy? Because do you feel like going through his mind is like in having an older brother that was in the war and lost in the war, he's like, this guy's been through enough. Yeah. I'm not going to have him have the weight of that. Like that was so interesting to me because yeah. I feel like that's a little polarizing because part of it feels like, do you, don't you feel like he should know, which I think we might have an allusion to him looking back and oh, actually totally. finally seeing the stretcher, knowing the only dead body that came off of that was like what he, what he did. Yeah. But yeah, that was just, and that's the thing, dude, that like, this movie, this might be Christopher Nolan's most subtly, like, fantastic film. Like, I think there oh, is so much about the rewatch. This was my second time to Same. watch it. And I I appreciated it so much more Same. for a movie that I already liked, uh, watching it the second time. Because he is, like, I love how he's not flashy. Like, I love how this is not the first time he has just covered the faces of, like, A-list actors. You know, it is... And Tom Hardy's had it twice. Yeah. For Bane, we'd never see his face. Right. You know? And so, just all these subtle moves that he makes, I just don't feel like for as flashy as his films can be in the way they sound and the way they look, I don't feel like he's a flashy director? Does that make sense? Right. Like,
0: when we talk about pushing against the confines of the form, uh, let's bring up another individual we've already talked about in this episode. Quentin Tarantino pushes against the confines of the form all the time and and calls attention to the things that are traditionally more background elements like editing and directing and camera work. And I think that rubs some people the wrong way because he he's talented, but he's flashy for sure.
1: Right. Well, right. I've said with Tarantino before, you know, I so I tend to really love Tarantino's movies um, and I've said it I've said it about him I think even on the podcast Tarantino is a hack he's a hacky director but he yeah. knows it he owns it and he I don't think he would change or even argue that he's hacky like I think
0: yeah, yeah I think it's he, like Stephen King where it's like yeah. Stephen King can do one thing well but, but he, he does, does a really good well. job of it most of the time so I yeah. tend to like it
1: but then you have yeah then you have directors that are just flashy and that's it Michael Bay Zack yeah. Snyder right and then but then it's like there's not as much substance there, right? And I, I keep think waiting the for the Michael Bay is, cut
0: of all the Transformers movies. By the way, I hope HBO release the Max Bay adds cut, that dude
1: release the Bay cut. I've always said that. You know, I think I think the difference is wielding wielding Flash correctly, right? So let's look at. I feel like Michael Bay is pretty universally understood for his flashiness. Let's look at the Transformers movies, right? So these are movies with virtually no substance. Yeah. And it's all about the explosion, all about the shine, all about the bigness. Which is fine. Right. It yeah. is fine. Right. I it, think
0: I think Transformers is a perfect example because that is a story. Same with Pacific Rim, even, which is not a Michael Bay movie, which I happen to think is a pretty fun movie. But it's it, Diego del Gorbo. It's Diego del Gorbo, but it's a story <laughs> created so that we can be flashy with it. It's a story that exists in service to the flashiness. And I think with Nolan, what we're finding through this series is that his flashiness, when he pushes against the confines of the form, it is in service to the story. And story is always king rather than flashiness.
1: Totally. And sometimes those movies that we just talked about, they're in service to the flashiness. They're trying to bring back an old type of filmmaking. Like it's always the 80s, it feels like. It's like, hey, 80s, early 90s, let's just have an homage to that. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It might make a billion bucks. Do you know? love
0: Pacific Rim, though? Very fun oh, I film. I love
1: Pacific Rim, yeah. Well, you know, I think I think it kind of falls into the same category of like mission the Mission Impossible movies. So I think it's I think it's Mission Impossible two or three, whichever one is has I think it's Michelle Monahan. There's one of them that is just so, so much worse than all the other ones <laughs> because it goes for style it goes for style over substance, which all of the mission impossible movies are, but it almost goes so far that it's like nothing's happening in this movie. It's just excuses for big explosions. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, I think that's sort of what we're talking about. Right. Is like Nolan, there's explosions. There's big moments. There's, there's, um, there's flash and there's um, pump in this movie, but it all serves what he's telling us. Yeah. And I, and I think that's where the, the hand of a master kind of comes in. For sure. In the flashy moments, too, we don't really see, ever see clear faces of the Germans. Totally. Right. It is, our antagonist is artillery. Right. You know, it's within five minutes, we have that creeping bombing up the beach as people just lay down and wait to hope they live. Like that that scene stands out so much to me. And then just the uh, unpredictable, sporadic bullet holes in a, in a, you know, beached ship. Jeez. It's just, but, that's, but that, that's what's so immersive about the movie too, is that's what a lot of soldiers only ever see. Yeah. You know, it's a good like point. that is the antagonist, is where's the, where are the bullets coming from? You know, and, and that's just terrifying. It's a good point. Hey, speaking of good points, I'd like to make one now, which is it is time. It is that good For point. shout announcements. And uh, we're going to head over there uh, looking at my watch about right now. And now it's time
0: for Shout announcements. It's the
1: part of the show where we give shout outs and make announcements.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, listen, if you're like us, Carter, can you make that ticking clock a shepherd tone? Just continually increasing in pitch, please, until only dogs can hear it. With click. (laughs) Well, hey, if you're like us and that little bit of Carter making a gross sound wasn't enough two chunks for you, we've got well, two great opportunities for you to get a little more chunky in your day-to-day life. Mm. The first of those is Oreos. Merch.
1: Just eat a lot of Oreos. The first of those, those is of...
0: Oreos. Have no self-control <laughs> and eat as many as you can of those good little chocolate boys. <laughs> the real way. The, the government approved way. Uh, is to go to our website and click the store tab uh, right there at the top. You, you'll be taken to our storefront where we've got a lot of cool designs that we're super excited about. You can get our mugs on a mug. You can get our logo on a shirt and you can get, I think, almost any of our designs on a pillow or a tote bag. So or if a face for some mask. reason, If for some reason you want to use us to decorate your house, you are more than welcome to at the store tab on the top of our website. The second great way to make your day-to-day existence a little chunkier is to become a patron uh, of this fine podcast for only three bucks a month you'll get access to some exclusive content a special section of our website which is admittedly a bit out of date um, and you get to vote twice in polls which is super important especially right now
1: yeah that's true I want to talk about something else important.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like that on our podcast. We're so polite and we're like, now it's my turn. And here's what I'll say. Look, here's the thing. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of politeness, I want to, I want to talk about something
1: very near and dear to my heart, which is Melissa Joan Hart. Get it? Near and dear to my heart. I see now. Uh, Now her and her team, her crew, they are, I don't, I don't want to say dodging us because that would imply that they're aware we exist. And there has been <laughs> there has been no evidence thus far to prove that they even know that we exist. Can we be honest though? Do you think they know we exist? I do. I really do. I do. Okay. I do. Yeah. I do. In, I think in, so. In my heart, I am starting to believe that they are actively ignoring us. Yep. Because how else could they not? But here's the thing, Chunkies. You guys have been so great about. That's why they know us. Yes. I'm sure y'all have been incredible about commenting, tagging us, and bringing to Melissa Joan Hart's attention that we're out there and we're trying to get in touch with her. And you've done it so politely. And here's what I need I want us to redouble our efforts. Use your best judgment. You know, she posts a lot about some touching family stuff, and I wouldn't go comment on that. But My I'm just dog, officially, she's, got,
0: she's got the mommest Instagram account. She has a
1: very mom Instagram account. But yep. I, I would say, I'm lifting the structure of only comment on things related to Feliz Navidad. I'm saying if if you follow her and she posts and it's not something that it would feel inappropriate to comment on, just yeah, right, just right, right politely bombard i'm loving, I'm loving the p's and q's energy that our uh, that our family is bringing to the table here there's a lot of excuse me, Mrs. Hart, I would love to have a conversation about yada yada, and I think that that's right, a right, really right. great way um, to firmly shake some sense into her because i'm starting to think I'm starting to think they're ignoring us on purpose <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like it so chunky family, please. Help your favorite pod boys out. Get Melissa Joan Hart to contact us. Pretty please.
0: That's a new segment of our show called Heart to Heart with Jordan Wonders.
1: Ah, dead gummit, So good. Jordan keeps getting all these special segments. That's fine. I'm happy for him. You have one called Mini
0: Monday, Carter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oof. Good point. I do have 30% of our content on, on lock. Dang, dude, that burn. <laughs> um, well, the only thing that can probably bring us back together after that, that sick, sick burn is the gift, the gift of music. Uh, uh, yeah. And we have that coming up. <laughs> Guys, continue to vote. Our poll for Choosical, uh, where you're helping us choosical our musicals, uh, is going to be uh, Tuesday, so today, at 5 p.m. So you have, if you're listening to the podcast right now and it's 4.49, you've probably got, you could probably got time to get a snack, use a bathroom, but then you immediately need to vote because you're going to run out of that. Also, our patrons will have that extra vote. And so you should already have that in your
0: inboxes, right, Dosh? Yeah. Yes, sir. That went live last Friday. So patrons, make sure you voted in the main open poll on the vote section of our website. And then you have a special Patreon link. A
3: secret poll. To
0: a special secret, secret. poll. Uh,
1: and then also, while you are on Instagram and you are very closely watching uh, MJN to see if she's going to post about Felice Navidad or an appropriate time to do so, go and follow Katie Peslis. Uh, Katie's going to be joining us as a special guest for our entire five weeks of our musical series. She's a super talented musician, impressionist. Uh, Really funny, too. I'm excited to have her on. She's going to be doing some stuff for us uh, in the ways of uh our synopsis section. She's going to be doing some fun things there. That's a, a nice twist. We'll say bye to Doge for a little bit.
0: I, listen, uh, but, though. I sw- if she's funnier or better than me, I'm going <gasps> to hang up the call. Oh, my. Oh, no. So, Katie, if you're listening well, to this episode and getting prepared... <laughs> Just know that there's some very specific parameters we need you to fit inside.
1: Hey, Katie, Doge doesn't host the Zoom call, so you're fine. He can hang up if he wants to. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, And then we'll also have a week where she just has a complete takeover, and she'll be on a mini Monday to talk about uh, all of her good content and then also uh, a movie episode to talk about the good content there. And so that's Katie. And I realize Katie is spelled a lot of ways, so let me just spell this for her, for you guys. Katie, here's how you spell it. That's not it. It's K a t i e. -E 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 Teslas is her last name. P-E-S-L-I-S. So give her a follow uh, and get a little taste of of what you're going to have for the next five Remember, it's Katie. It's spelled like 80 with a K. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Stop. It's not. Hey, I also- K-A-T-I-E. I I just realized I was replaying everything that we just talked about in our head. You did introduce Melissa Joan Hart, her acronym as MJN. Why did I do that? I don't know.
0: I'm not sure. More like Melissa Joan NART. (laughs) (laughs) Shoot, dude.
1: You got her. I'm so glad the heat's off of me now. You got her. Hey, while you're on social media to do all that fun stuff, go ahead and make sure you're following us, keeping up with all the stuff we're doing. And since your phone's already in your hand, go ahead and uh, slide on over to your favorite podcast app and leave (laughs) us a review and a rating. That would be beautiful. That was a chef's kiss in case you couldn't hear it. I heard it. Thank you.
2: Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: We're back, which is good because I want to talk about Kenneth Branagh, please. Yes, sir. He's awesome,
0: old Gilder, he old is, Gilderoy himself. <laughs> he
1: is awesome. Uh, but here is my super dump. Are <gasps> Oof, you ready? Yeah. Oof. Now here's the thing. I would never super dump the great Kenneth Branagh. Which this is our second Branagh film. Do you know mm-hmm. the first? It's Harry Potter.
0: Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. Gilderoy. Uh, and then hopefully someday we'll
1: be able to do like a Shakespeare series well, and our, do his
0: Hamlet. I guess technically it's our fourth because we have done Thor one and Thor two way back a million years ago. That's true. Yeah. So still just my second. No, you're because um, we put the new dynamic ad, dynamic insertion at the beginning. You're, you're on true, those episodes
1: now. I am on every episode now. Uh my super dump is is I really could have used, and again, I don't want to take away from the brilliance of Nolan because I do like that most of this movie was faceless in terms of our actors. And those that are more well known are kind of our general. It's like it's like in stardom. Is in the military. It's like when you rank up, you're more well known. It feels like in this movie, yeah. those that were higher rank. Right. Um, but Kenneth Branagh and then Dearcy, I I think they had a really interesting dynamic, especially when we have Branagh say, "Well, that's why you're in the army and I'm in the navy." Right? Yeah. To talk about when the tides come in. I honestly could have used, and I don't want to use too much time in what is one of Nolan's shortest films, which this was an hour and ten minutes shorter than Interstellar. In that, wow, crazy? jeez. Um, I could have used a couple more minutes with those two. I really do think that there could have been something else in there because it did feel like such a dynamic place um, to really talk about. Cause I think too, and again, and maybe it's tropey because you do have a lot of those old-fashioned war movies that's like, here is the the like under you know, under the table rivalry between different branches, you know, and I'm not asking for that, but I do think that I would love to see more on the leadership side of how they felt about this move. And I'm saying we got that. I think we did get a good amount of it. I don't think we got enough. So that was my super. That's so funny.
0: That's so funny how my super dump is very similar. Cause I was going to say like, I, I feel like we have an absence of, of leadership characters, you know, and I, I I'm, it's funny. Like I, I'm almost completely agreeing with you because i do think i man I, the more i think about it i think we have the same super dump i think just phrased differently is that because I, I kept <laughs> expecting like a man at a desk you know what i mean to be like agonizing over like oh should we should we send the boats out to go get the boys off the beach yeah, but yeah. like yeah. we don't i don't know if we should send the boats yet. yeah we don't need that and we don't need winston churchill to be in this movie and we don't need those kind of like larger than life people so maybe it would have been trophy to include them but i i I don't know. I kept like almost expecting that, and I kept also conflating yeah. this with being like, "Oh, is this the one where Mark Strong is an officer?" No, that's nineteen seventeen. Oh, is this one with Benedict right, because- Cumberbatch? No, that's nineteen
2: seventeen. Yeah. And I kept just <laughs> right. like conflating it with nineteen seventeen in my mind. Too. Yeah.
0: So
1: this is interesting because uh, I'll talk about my super dump here too. It's not this, um, but it's it's close, I guess. Which my super dump kind of kind of takes. It's it's weird because I love this movie. I love the structure of this movie obviously. That was my super pump. We talked about that. But with the way this movie is laid out, my super dump is that there are so many characters and I don't have quite enough of anyone. Like there there is just yeah. not really enough room to like justify Tom Hardy being the pilot. He's so good. Give me a little more. Right. Um, Harry Styles really steps into his own here. Give me some more of that. You know, Kenneth Branagh's Kenneth Branagh. Give me some more of him. Let, let, you know, Killian Murphy breathe a little bit and have some more space. Like it just feels like, and so I guess ultimately what I'm saying is that my super dump is that the movie's almost too short. Like there's almost not enough mm-hmm. of Dunkirk. Yeah. In yeah. The universe for me to watch it because I love the structure. I love the three different locations. I love all of it coming together. It's so good. It's so intense. I really, really love this movie. It's just that there's almost... It's like a really great meal made up of too many dishes. Yeah. And it's like I would have loved to have spaced out this meal
0: and had a couple meals with those dishes. The tricky... Yeah. I think the tricky thing for me is that... And I guess spoiler alert for the end of our, end of our show when we rate this movie... I think it might be perfect. Like I really don't think that there is a mistake made in right. this movie. I don't think there's something that I can point to and say it would be better with that. And I think right. I'm hearing us all say that in our super dumps. Right. And so I don't know, I think that's that's just important to to contextualize that like I think Carter and I talking about a lack of leadership characters Jordan, you're talking about feeling like there's not any room to breathe. I feel like that's what the people in this event felt like. There's yeah, a totally. lack of real strong leadership and like we just have to pivot, you know, constantly. And there's that, you know, it's that shepherd tone of emotions. Yeah. So I, yeah. I feel like those things that that we're looking for that maybe we've seen in other movies are intentional omissions from this yeah. movie to create the atmosphere that we have.
1: Yeah. I think you're probably this right. movie, this movie feels like it takes work to appreciate more. Yeah. Does that make sense? So like Nolan, we've talked about how Nolan uh, gives us some hard concepts and then kind of takes us with him. He, he's kind of like, okay, I'll explain this for you. Right. He doesn't do that as blatantly in Dunkirk. So it's like if there was a Stephen King vibe to some of his other stories, and again, I'm comparing apples and oranges, this felt like Emerson.
0: You know, it's like, yeah, yeah.
1: It, it, it was like something com- completely different. Um, it felt
0: like he was like, let me do five for them and now one for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. For sure. And I think he's going to like, it feels like Tenet is the sixth for us. Yeah. You know, it feels like he's kind of going back to that and yet still going to keep a lot of the time bendiness. Oh, totally. Um, He's got to. But. It's Nolan. Yeah, I do see that though, Jordan. I see that that there are there's just a lot going on. And that's why I think the rewatch helped me appreciate it more is what I'm trying to say. Like it takes a reread. Absolutely. You know, it's one of those books that like when I'm reading Dune, Right now I have to be slow. Like I just, I can't read at the pace I would if I'm just trying to get through a research article or, you know, just some take-home work or something like that. Like I have to be able to like soak it in and appreciate it. Yeah, um, I yeah I totally see I that. I do want to talk about with Kenneth Branagh, the, the one scene I want to really draw attention to is when all of the um, civilian boats come over the horizon and he pulls his binoculars out and um, is that is that Darcy that asks him what is it? What do you see? What do you see? And uh-huh. he says home. Gets that's me. such an important piece
0: of thematic. It gets me so good resonance because earlier in the movie is when he's saying it's awful being this close. You could almost see it, and the guy's right. like, well, "See what home?" Right. And the and to home have, came to yeah, them to comes. have that inverted there at the end. And that's the thing. Like this is such a powerful story, and it's barely out of living memory. Like yeah. I think that I, I feel like I can see Nolan's really personal connection to this because well, there it's were like,
1: there were survivors of Dunkirk at the premiere. Yeah, mm-hmm. for this movie, and I think something like a dozen of the actual boats that made that Channel trip were in this movie. Wow, um, and actually used for that some you know eighty years later. But I that this this scene is my super pump. Oh, cool! Yeah, um, good. It's so good, and I feel like so many movies have a, have a moment like this. It's not like it's the MCU where it takes you like 30 to get there, but, uh, 30 movies to get there. But it's, I, I love when it's just everybody coming together. This is what rise of Skywalker did so wrong. Right. Yes,
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: This was, yeah, the, they're all, or what's, what's the line they say when just everyone in the galaxy decides to fight back or something. I don't know. Jedi is everybody, something dumb. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know.
0: I've erased that, that movie and the Disney trilogy from my memory. So yeah, it,
1: it's, it's stuff that I've seen done wrong, but when things like this are done well, and this one did feel really unique, uh, even for like a war film that I think that's, that's the main, that's one of the, the, the biggest heart of Dunkirk in general is that you have, yes, we have a lot of sacrificial, uh, uh, characters in this, you know, we have Tom Hardy, who's already in the military and it was his job to save these people. But then you do have these reserves, just these people that are normal people. And that's such a interesting part of the story to have just to see that fleet of these random, you know, yachts and fishing boats and then we have kind of like that red cross type boat.
0: Sure. Uh, it's, from Dover. It's the vibe it's, it's, whenever uh whenever like at the end of the dark night, whenever they don't blow up the opposite ferries. You know what right. I mean and it's like yes. I've been here and I've been here to inspire them. It's like it's like a Marlon Brando's speech about Superman uh in 1976, 1978 that original Superman movie, you provide them an ideal to strive towards, racing behind you they'll stumble they'll fall but in time they'll join you Mm -hmm. in the sun that's this whole Mm -hmm. vibe the emotional heart of this movie
1: yeah and this was you know dunkirk is not just a wow what an interesting story that's not told a lot about the war it's like the the actual significance of this to bring back as many soldiers as they did it played a massive influence on the war i mean to to be able to bring them home and so yeah it's a it's a a military failure but a humanitarian victory you know it's a it's like a pyrrhic victory it's it, it was right. enough to it's, it's, emotionally turn the tide of the war for Britain. It's like Vietnam with a happy ending. Right.
0: <laughs> you know, so. And isn't that what yeah. we're all looking for in these dark times?
1: Hey, so it would be easy to fill out another 45 minutes of this podcast just talking about all the awesome things that happen in this movie. We have everything with Tom Hardy at the end, the the silent glide the The wheels coming down. We have the rescue. Just cranking. The oil kick it, fire. Like, we've got all of it. Uh, we didn't really talk about Tom Hardy's gauge breaking and him riding how much gas he has left in chalk, but that's awesome. So stressful. The, Turning it over to a reserve when his propeller stopped, right. when he's chasing that. There's yeah. just so much. There's so much cool here that we could just kind of spiral for a long time to be like, you guys remember that? That was yeah, so cool. absolutely. You remember that um, one time? But instead, what we're going to do is we're going to land on uh, a time to to rate this movie now so that we have a little time on the back end to do something that Carter's going to walk us through. Um, but first, it's time to rate this movie, the final movie of this series. And uh, we're going to use the scientific cinema scale to do that. And that is perfect and as follows. The best thing we could ever say about a movie is own it, don't lend it, buy that Poster. The next best thing—that's buy it, followed by rent it, and then stream it. After that is forget it, and last but certainly least, God hath forsaken us.
0: I'll go first. Okay. God hath forsaken us. Sorry, we were stretching time. I was trying to make that interesting. We're cross-cutting. Yes. We're all reaching the most interesting point of our story at different times.
1: Um. I'm I I buy the poster for this movie. It's a bold choice, and I thought that, <laughs> that there was gonna be just yeah. I thought, so you liked I it? The, yes, I thought that there was gonna be a little twist here at the end, and it would just be a buy it, you know, because it was like, are we? Am I really about to buy the poster for four of the six of these? And it's all in a row. Like as soon as we hit prestige, it was just everything by the poster. But that is what. It makes Christopher Nolan so esteemed too is that he's just not really doing anything bad. Yeah. Not only yeah. is he not doing things bad, he's doing things very good all the time. Yeah. So, Doge, I want you to go last poster. because okay. this was your first time. Um, yeah. I'm also buying the poster. Um, I really do. I really do think that this movie is close to perfect. Um, it's just gorgeous. It's, it's, it's stressful in all the right ways. It's intense in all the right ways. It it kind of releases those emotions in all the right ways. Um, it's, it's pretty dang near just a masterclass in how to make a movie. Um, so yeah, poster for me, easy.
0: Back before the land became blighted and the air turned sour, <laughs> Jess and I loved to like plan one trip a year, usually coinciding with our anniversary. And on that trip, we would always try to find like this best, the best like restaurant in wherever we're going. Like we'd look up, you know, best dinner near us. Wendy's. It was always Wendy's. Somehow it was always a four for four. And so we'd go and we would get a 24 for 24. And it was amazing. No, we would, uh, you (laughs) know, always try to find this great restaurant and we would go and get their main thing. And then oftentimes I would have to sit on it for a little bit, like a couple of days to be like, was that the best thing? uh and let it grow on me. And I think that Dunkirk has felt that way for me. Whenever I finished watching it, I was like that is really good. It's not as good as Interstellar. Uh and it's not as good as Inception. So I'll probably like stream it or something. But the more I've sat on it, the more I've realized like this, this is that great steak that I go get. And it's amazing. And I'm going to think about it all the time. And I'm certainly not going to want to eat that steak every day for lunch. I'll go back to my four for fours for that because that's a little bit more palatable, (laughs) a little bit less to my four for a little bit less complex of a meal. Um, but I'm going to buy the poster for Dunkirk because it really is that steak that you think about for a full year until you go to your next vacation.
1: Right. Yeah. It's yeah, that's it's really why good. I only eat rodeo goat like twice a year cuz I never want exactly. to burn out on it cuz I love it so much. <laughs> exactly. You talk about like as good as Interstellar or as good as Inception and things like that. So we want to and this one maybe be one of the harder rankings that we have to do. Uh, even though it's just 6 movies. Uh but I would love to hear our our 6 to 1 uh of our our uh installments of the Nolan series and six I think this the is lowest. always 6 is the least favorite. 6 Six is the least favorite, and I, I always think this is really interesting uh, to do, uh, especially because sometimes when we're all buying the posters together on all the same films, uh, I the last thing I want us to do is just be one hive mind. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's good if if things mix up, and if they don't, that's also fine. I would love to hear also from uh, just the chunkies. You know, message us on Instagram and let us know your rank too. We'd love to hear which one's your favorite. Uh but let's start with number 6 and I'll 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 go first on this one and I don't know if it'll be collective it might be but um Insomnia I think even though we had mentioned on the podcast it's considered one of his worst films it's also not bad but in comparison to what the rest of uh, of the movies that we're watching Insomnia is my number 6. Insomnia
0: is also my number 6.
1: Yeah, Insomnia is number 6 for me as well. My number 5 is actually going to be Memento. So we're going in the order of the mo- way that these movies were released. And what's crazy- No, Memento was first. That-
0: Memento was first. It was before Insomnia.
1: Oh, Memento was before Insomnia. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, I, yeah, I, I guess we I edited my mind like Memento's screenplay is edited and things are just <laughs> you have written, yeah, I
0: do see that written on your arm. Memento was second. Do you see that?
1: Well, that's right. What if it was? What if I just did that? <laughs> and on the Zoom call, it says Memento was second. Uh, it, so it is fifth for me. Yeah, Memento is fifth Same. for me. Yeah, well. me too.
0: Guys, is this is going to be a, for really, me? a really, really boring podcast if we have the same <laughs> same order.
1: Yeah. Fourth for me is going to be Dunkirk. Okay. Um, officially not a boring podcast then. Officially not a boring podcast. But it is funny because it does feel like it's just because it is the wine that has not been, you know, it's a 2017 wine. You know, like with, with, with Chris Nolan, it's like as it gets older things become a little more nostalgic and appreciated. Let's pretend
0: we're all rich enough to buy wine from the late nineties and that a 2017 wine wouldn't be a score for all of us.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, no, I'm saying like it's cause it came out most recently yeah. of like all these other ones. It's just not, not there yet for me, but I bet it moves up.
0: Uh, number four is the prestige for me.
1: Okay. Number four is the prestige for me. Uh-oh. What's number three? Three for me is the prestige.
0: So it's in my top three Three for me is and
1: what's funny is at, at, Reviewing The Prestige, I thought
0: it would be my favorite, (laughs) but it's third. Three for me is Inception.
1: Okay, here we go. Three for me is Dunkirk. Oof.
0: Number two. Okay,
1: gotcha. Number two for me is Interstellar. Dunkirk. Yeah, number two is Interstellar for me.
0: Number one is Interstellar for me, and I'm I'm assuming it's Inception for you boys. Big time. Uh Big time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Interstellar and Inception were really close. Yeah, uh, but Inception is is my favorite Christopher Nolan I film. I completely agree. Um, I just have such a like a connection to Inception. I, I'll never get over that movie. Do we have any prediction? Like, if uh, with the hype of it and knowing now with such a, a large library of good films, do y'all have prediction as to where Tenet might end up falling for you? Top guys? three, I think.
0: I think it'll end up in the top three. I think it would be enough to push Inception out. I think only because Inception was for a while that great steak that I had. And then they opened a a location of that restaurant close to my house and I got it for dinner every day. (laughs) Amazing. Well,
1: now that we've ranked all of the, uh, the Nolan movies that we've reviewed and we know where our hearts lie, I think the only thing left to do is to end today's episode. And the way I'd like to do that is I'd like for us each to say our name and then to say which non-Christopher Nolan movie we would like to give the Nolan treatment. And by that, I mean play with time. For Two Chunks in a Hunk, I'm Jordan. And I would like to take Jupiter Ascending and just chop that movie right to bits time-wise. See if we can, uh, see if we can make it even more Ooh. confusing. I'd love to, right? I'd love to, I thought that wasn't possible. I'd love not to know how the hover boots work until like right before the credits
0: roll. I think. How can me. you even, how can just, you even invest in that story without a detailed explanation of the hover boots?
1: That's what I'm saying. Or even like what to call Mila Kunis's character. Like if she had a nickname or yeah, something. Yeah, like. I don't want to know that until. Later. Uh, I'd love, I'd love to open the movie with that. Actually, I'd love, I'd love to see the studio credits and then just jupe. My friends call jupe. me jupe.
0: God, what a bad movie! I'm Doge, and I think much like Christopher Nolan's Native Homeland, we have a sword that is stuck in a stone that only a prophesied ruler can remove, and that sword is a worthy Terminator sequel, and nobody can seem to pull that one out of the stone. That's a good point. I think Chris Nolan. Uh, could be the once and future king of Terminator movies and make an actual good one that plays with time because we're very clearly bored by watching uh, Immortal Robot chase Sarah Connor. So if we cut the timeline up and cut around with it, I think that could actually be really interesting.
1: I know this isn't the question, but I have two alternate suggestions to Nolan now that you've said that, which Hmm. would be a Ridley Scott-directed Terminator movie would be unbelievable um and then also because I love him Denis Villeneuve I feel like could make the Terminator for Guru.
0: I think that's the tricky yeah. thing is nobody wants to touch the Terminator with a with a 29 and a half foot pole like he's a Mr. Grinch because those movies are so bad now
1: yeah but for a long time people didn't want to touch Dune either
0: yeah that's I'm true just
1: telling you my boy's got the stones he's got the stones he's got the spice uh I'm Carter <laughs> And I would love to take that rom-com classic, uh, "How to Lose a Guy in Ten mm. Days." Yeah, but then also I'd I'd love to know how to lose a guy in ten hours, <laughs> and how to lose a guy in ten minutes. Let's make them all line up. I think that would and be they're all McConaughey, which he's used before. So, Do y'all think McConaughey is going to enter the
0: fold of of Nolan's favorite friends? I don't know. Like, come back. I I don't know. I hope I would so. Love that
1: it seems like he sometimes, um, like with Leo,
0: he didn't really touch again. Um, I think Nolan's favorite friends are British. I don't think there's any Americans in there. Is, is there?
1: Murphy is Murphy British uh-huh. as well? Oh yeah.
0: Oh uh, yeah. Terminally so. Maybe <laughs>
1: maybe McGonaghy will take the Michael Caine role after he becomes a supernova, and then we just have this old them. country draw of this person like, who like just old, kind of is on screen for five minutes and explains like the old plot. Old
0: saddle. Yeah. A old old Much leather like an old work saddle. boot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Chusical next week. See you guys later.
3: information, connect with a wealth advisor today at corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T dot com.
2: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies.